I'm your host, David Cameo, and we are Squawking Dead, a podcast polarizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe, but not today. I know that sometimes we give you news, and sometimes we make you laugh, and most times we go deep. But today we're going to be talking about Better Squawk Saul's second episode, our our coverage of Better Call Saul's sixth and final season. In our last Better Squawk Saul episode, we discussed the events that transpired in the first and second episodes titled Wine and Roses and Carrot and Stick. This episode, we'll be discussing both the reaction to Rock in a Hard Place, the third episode of Better Call Saul's sixth and final season, as well as the full episode breakdown. As usual, if you are enjoying this coverage of Better Call Saul, please, or if you're not, actually, Head over, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead and let us know. Five stars and an eggplant is all we need to know that you love us, but for this one, I think we're going to want to know how much you like it or dislike it. So just remember to include your socials so we can blast you on social media. <laughs> we can tag you and show your rating to the world. We will do it, even if it's not that great. We want to know. And as always, if you want to take part in more behind-the-scenes things as it pertains to our podcast, head over to ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead. Create a free account on ko-fi.com and just follow us there. You don't have to buy us a coffee or join a membership tier. It's just a great place to find out the -the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on at our podcast that we don't post on social media. This is the only place. And if you do decide to join us in our journey you can either tip us to dip your toe in the water for 30 days of supported back content by buying us a coffee or you can join a membership tier for as little as a dollar a month and get those benefits in perpetuity weigh in on what you'd like us to cover what shows you'd like us to cover uh this is your podcast let us know and without further ado here is the reaction to better call saul's third episode in its sixth and final season titled Rock in a Hard Place. Stay tuned after that for the full episode breakdown. We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we bring news, sometimes we make you laugh, sometimes we go deep. And just like last time, today we're talking about Better Call Saul. We're breaking down the third episode of the sixth and final season. Sharon D is here and Bridget. Fake excitement. Right that was now. very good. You were, you were <laughs> yeah. about as animated as Dave was the other yesterday. Oh my gosh. That was something. Well, Rachel, I, we were wrong. <laughs> I'm yeah. not even sure. I am not even sure I saw what I just saw. I thought Mike was going to do something to, to fix it. But I mean, what could Mike do? Take out all the fucking Salamancas? That would have started a fucking drug war. No, I fully believe that um, he would have just shot Nacho himself had Nacho not done it. I don't is that he, why? Is that why he was saying do I it? I think that I think I think he wanted him to to kill Bol- Bolsa. Bolsa. So, so he would have a reason to just shoot him from there. Oh, do you yeah. think that was like a last act of kindness towards Mike that he like didn't want that to weigh on him? It's possible. Maybe. Or maybe he just wanted to go out on his own terms. You know, he was going <laughs> to die no matter what. He said his piece. He put it out there. Fuck you, Salamancas. I'm out. And, yeah. you know, yeah, like you said, to keep Mike from having to do it, he just went ahead and did it himself, you know. Took responsibility. Because I mean, he's the reason he's there, technically. I mean, he, he made his own bed for all intents and purposes. God, that was just... And that's the show, everybody! <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what else, like, know what else yeah. to say. I don't have much to say about it right now, because... I mean... Oof. Man, I was watching this episode and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to talk about that. I can't wait to talk about that. And then that looks like, oh man, this is good. Yeah. I got nothing. It all just drained out of me. I have like three pages of notes and I don't even want to go back and look at them. No, no, <laughs> no. Just throw them away. Just throw the whole thing away. Holy shit. What the fuck? Wow. What the fuck? I think this is going to sink in a little bit harder tomorrow. I might have a cry over it. I'm not going to lie. I was on the verge of tears with the conversation with his dad. Right. I was having like, this feels like a goodbye. This, this feels Uh like a goodbye. It was his goodbye. 
I mean, I don't, I don't think he knew what was coming, but I think he knew he was a dead man no matter what. As 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 we're watching this, I was thinking we know everybody in the scene survives to Breaking Bad except for Nacho. Yeah, that was also the the truck that they got Warner in with the hand straps on the side. <laughs> the truck that they were riding in that might be the same house where they they took the truck driver after Mike stole all of the money out of the tire and left the truck driver mm-hmm. alive. Then um, they took the truck driver out and shot him. I think that's the same place. Remember, yeah, remember when 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 Mike's horn went off and he went out there and Gus had the. I mean, the, mm-hmm. they had the thing stuck on the horn. Yeah, I think. yeah, I think so too. It looked it looked familiar. I took some notes, so if you guys want to just kind of start at the beginning and go through it a little bit, just kind of put out what we think, and then in a few days, we'll Thursday we'll record the after after we had time to think about it. The scene with Nacho looking out of the holes in oh, the, the oil tanker thing oil tanker was uh. almost an exact replica of the shot of kim looking out the door peephole at lalo after lalo leaves mm. oh the light the light reflected it's just it's opposite because nacho's looking one direction and kim's looking the other but mm-hmm. the light reflected back on her face through the hole it's, the, it's almost the exact same shot which doesn't make me feel good about kim right now <laughs> yeah i was thinking you know since they did kill off not like kim and nacho were like the two biggest mysteries right like where are they in breaking bad mm-hmm. and so maybe since they did kill Nacho, maybe they won't kill Kim. Maybe but she's just hope. somewhere else. Yeah. Like, what if she's in prison? I almost feel like maybe she's in prison or something. I mean, the way she is pushing Jimmy, I mean, Saul, excuse me. Saul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, she corrected the name. So, like, mm-hmm. it's so weird because when you start this show, you think, I'm never going to get used to calling him Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. And then by the end of it, now I'm like, I'm never going to get used to calling this song. Right. Which is so weird. It's, it's like, it's, <laughs> it's what's cool is they're not interchangeable. Like, you can't use one for the other, really. Like, mm. they're, they're two different people. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. They're discussing th- what they're going to do about the license plates and blah, blah, blah. They're just doing this mundane, everyday couple stuff, zipping each other up and straightening mm-hmm. the tie and, you know, fixing this and fixing that. And it's just this mundane, everyday thing. But yet they're discussing this fucking outlandish, crazy scheme. And like, try, I, I just I just found that such a cool juxtaposition, like just just how contradictory they are. That was probably one of my favorite, my favorite scenes of the whole episode was was them doing that i loved the i think the word you're looking for is audacious Audacious. (laughs) yes that line was great and also just like says a lot about where kim is now because breaking the law and stealing someone's car is audacious now (laughs) i see according to kim Kim brought Suzanne the paperwork and she's like, oh, you didn't have to give this to me. And you can just see the wheels turning her head like, well, if she's this straight of a shooter, maybe she'll really talk to, to, to Jimmy Saul about it. Yeah. But what I loved was when she was watching them doing their watch couple thing. at the Preening. Yeah, the, and, and the look, she just like kind of rolled her eyes like, oh, some people are supposed to be kids, man. Like, what is wrong with her? See, I thought that was almost like a, hmm, they're together. Can I play Kim against him in some way? Yeah, I mean, I thought there was a little bit of that too. Yeah. But th- just the look on her face was like. <laughs> I mean, she also <laughs> like, yuck. Yeah. <laughs> If you remember, she was the one that they um, pulled the Kushada scam on with all the letters. She was the. Oh. She and Kim have have tangled hardcore before. That's when, but she didn't know they were together when she called Jimmy a scumbag to Kim's face. <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't uh, exactly make it like very obvious to people. Which, and now that you say that, they have been much more open about it mm-hmm. lately. Now, yeah, because yeah. they were very on the DL about it. Well, they were together for like the bulk of the show. Yes. And, and yeah, like no well, one's I mean, known. But, but like Schweiker and Coakley knew because he went to the daft dinner or whatever with her and stuff yeah. like that. But like at the courthouse, they keep it very on the DL uh, mm. that, they're, that they're a couple. So when they were doing that together, it was, it was very eye-catching. You know, like, oh, shit. <laughs> I've also noticed yeah. that the further along the show has gone, the deeper they get 
into their scamming, the more they actually show them being affectionate with each other. Mm. I told you, I said that the last, yeah. the last time we did this, she's like, she's into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah. Let's see. Oh, then, when, when, um, Erickson was telling her about Lalo dying and she's like, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Could she be any more obvious? Her joy, her joy in that moment was absolutely monotone it was it was amazing that's terrible it was hilarious that's terrible i was um i was really impressed with the da putting everything together i d- i did not think there was any way that they were gonna like catch on to that so quickly and she made some pretty good assumptions about how exactly that came mm-hmm. to be do you think kim might rat jimmy out like say he doesn't you know no don't (laughs) don't don't rat jimmy (laughs) don't talk you know so do you think maybe she's like he if he doesn't she will i don't know there was something weird in her tone of voice when she said she says it's what's right that made me think like do you want him to rat and i don't understand why she won't just give it to him straight yeah, I don't know. I don't know if she would. I mean, just the fr- when she said, you know, you can either be a friend of the cartel or a rat. There was a lot of different ways to phrase that. I feel like she wouldn't necessarily want to be a rat either. But as as Rachel and I were talking about before we came before we started recording, like we said in the last episode, no, yeah, don't, don't, but do it. <laughs> don't. I don't like it, but I do. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. <laughs> What if she does rat Jimmy out and tries to get him in prison and he finds out and that's why they're not together? <sighs> I don't like that. That'd be bad. I don't either. That might be too, too oh. far. Yeah, too like much what if of she, bad Kim. What if she like saw the light when it came to like Chuck's idea of, of Jimmy and she's like, okay, I'm just going to long con him because that's what he would do to me. So I'm going to mm-hmm. long con him into like putting him in a position where he can like never come back and never practice law again. Oh shit. I, I really just don't know what to think about Kim, but I totally believe she's fucking with him. Like she's playing him. There's something and else I, there. I think she's playing him. She's doing everything with the contingency that she could play him if she has to, like she doesn't want to maybe mm. like she, she doesn't want to have to play him to get what she wants, but she's totally setting yeah, it she's, so that she can, if she needs to, she's she like always got some in, body like, double. Yeah, she's making her own body double. Plan. <laughs> she's always got something uh, like in her back pocket mm-hmm. to like pin on him or whatever. Right. Or like he's all he's culpable for everything, and she's like, "No, I'm good. I didn't do any of it." <laughs> Without, well, I mean, and that's partly why they got married too, so that they couldn't force her to, to say any. You know, she could be. Well, remain- she doesn't have to, but right. The numbers on the keychains, because again, we know everything means something. The two that were hanging in the ballet parking were mm. 611 and 616. Howard's was 618. Any theories on what those numbers? I do not have a theory. I'm throwing it out there. Any theories on what those numbers could mean? No, I saw it when it was like laying on the floor or the ground or whatever in the parking garage, but it didn't. I mean, and nothing like, clicks. You- I want to think like episode numbers, but I know that they don't go that high. Like there's not going to be be that many episodes. I'm not one to like pay such close attention to the details of previous episodes that I'd be able to connect it in any, that's Mm. not my jam. That's your jam, Sharon. That's not my thing. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I just relish in it when you share it with us. I just want to say how fucking ghetto that Keyfob was. How hilarious ghetto. (laughs) I loved it. It was awesome. I loved it the way he was holding it. And it was like spinning. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Uh, Also, I love Huel. And I'm so glad he was in this episode. mm -hmm. He was the bright shining light in this episode of Sadness. (laughs) It was like the most inappropriate comic relief. But when the twins picked up Hector's fucking wheelchair and started carrying him across the desert because you're like oh and then they pick him up in the car i was i was like okay that was that was good because make us laugh way to break the mood (laughs) him and his freaking bell oh my god gosh nacho was like lady olena at the end of game of thrones tell cersei it was me you know Mm -hmm. 
least he got to say it to his face. Bridget, you got to watch Game of Thrones, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's it's worth it for it, the you, gore if you, alone. If you if you'd seen it, you would know how funny that was. <laughs> <laughs> I trust you. <laughs> I don't want to turn this into a let's make Bridget watch Game of Thrones podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> that um, just leads to more of these podcasts <laughs> happening. <laughs> we're gonna get you to do it eventually. Oh, she, I had, she talked I had to talk Rachel into it, but it, it was yeah. worth it, wasn't it? It was worth it. Yeah, it was yeah. it was good. Yeah. It was not what I imagined it would be. Dragons I do, I do love gore. Dragons burning people. You can't beat it. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. dragons. Dragons mm-hmm. and gore. I'm gonna go listen to the insider podcast and um listen to some others and see what they have to say because I you know, they do make me think about different things. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of shit I missed. This is it for tonight, guys. Wow. That's all I can say. Yep. Oof. Wow. Yeah. I did not expect them to do that this soon in the season. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just feel like they just took out a big chunk of the story. So that was um, that was some Walking Dead out? shit right there. That was yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was... none of us thought that was shit was going to happen. Not really. Oh, no. Because I was like, there's no way they're gonna do that this this early into the no. season. I was like, he's gonna he's gonna it's run away, and then and then Mike's gonna like shoot like around them, so yeah. they can chase after him, and yeah, that was yeah. in my head. That was what was happening. Nope. Well, Big no. They surprised us, didn't they? <laughs> you got us. All right. Thank you for joining us, and uh, see us. Come back and catch us um, later in the week. We'll have the full podcast up with a lot more thoughts maybe some crying some crying and some swearing probably probably some a lot crying, of swearing yes. a definitely lot of swearing. definitely swearing <laughs> definitely some swearing <laughs> good night everybody bye. bye bye we hope you enjoyed that reaction to rock in a hard place third episode of better call skulls sixth and final season and now on to the full episode breakdown As you may hear, there is a dramatic increase in the audio quality as I stepped in and helped out with the recording sessions. I hope you enjoy. We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we bring you news, sometimes we make you laugh, most times we go deep. But today we are covering the third episode of the sixth and final season of Better Call Saul, Rockin' a Hard Place. Of course, Sharon D is here with me, and Bridget. So that was an episode, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It was. (sighs) Yeah. Well, if you watch that little other thing we put together, boy howdy. (laughs) Next week's episode is called Hit and Run. They're Mm. keeping with the blank and blank theme i do want to address a mistake i made last week the uh date on jimmy and kim's marriage certificate is 2004 not 2005 ah and i paused when when erickson was showing uh lala's arrest sheet his arrest date was for 2004 so i think we're still in 2004 but i think we're i think i got the other part kind of right i think we're right around june If, if you remember in the episode Jimmy says this has to be off by the 18th, but it's 2004 instead of 2005. So we're three and a half years away from breaking that. So even more time jumps to look forward to. (laughs) (laughs) I I was going to say, you've got some juicy tidbits, I'm sure. Lay it on us. A few. (laughs) First, let's talk about the the opener, the the desert scene. I kind of saw that as almost a parallel to the opener of 601, in the sense that basically we're exploring what's left of the destruction of, of a character. Mm. Because we're we're looking at Nacho's grave, basically, where he died. And while Saul is not dead, we're looking at what, what is left of what he's what is the shell that's left behind. Well, what's left of Jimmy then, right? We're seeing the, right. the death of Jimmy and the birth of Saul. The painting that they have the post-it notes stuck on is the painting that is being carried down the steps in the opener. <laughs> One of those oh, I eggs. totally oh. missed that. Yeah, one of those oh, Easter eggs. Dang. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think of the opener? It reminded me, weirdly, it reminded me of uh, Fear of the Walking Dead in season four. That whole episode with Madison and Nick and the, the like, find the good out there with those, uh, what are those 
are they blue bonnets? Blue blue bonnets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Blue Blue bonnets. bonnets. And then I saw that it did pan in on that piece of glass, which then becomes like so relevant later. But I was like at the beginning, you're just watching it like. Okay, what's that? Like, what's that all about? (laughs) So it gave me sinking feelings. I didn't know what was coming, but my stomach was like sad now. Mm -mm. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I think my stomach knew what was coming before my brain and my heart did. My stomach was all sorts of churned up, but I'm like, no, no, he's gonna get out and (laughs) run away and be safe. I don't know if you guys do this, but, like, I've done this with, like, a lot of the Walking Dead shows, too. Where, like, someone gets shot, like, in the head. And I'm like, maybe they'll still be okay. (laughs) I'm like, now I know how Beth apologists feel, right? Like, Beth is still alive. No. No, she's not, honey. I'm like, please, but Nacho could have survived, right? There's no way. But I'm like, they'll still be okay. Someone will fix it. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Get them. Get him a Band-Aid. Someone get him a Band-Aid. <sighs> yeah, not after Hector Salamanca was through with him. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Oh, boy. Uh, I wanted to be really mad at, at that. I wanted to be really, really mad that Hector did that and that they included that. Maybe a part of me is still really mad, but... I don't know. Nacho is my boy. I'm like, how are you going to do it like that? Like, don't. That's that's like when you're playing a video game and you kill somebody and then you run over and hump their body. You don't do that shit. No. The the squat thing? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Like, don't. Just don't. Up, down, up, down, up, down. (laughs) I liked that Sharon Ian said it brought like immediate comic relief to this like such a messed up situation, which it did. Like it was like it was so stupid over the top, but it's just such a thing that he would have done. Yeah. Like breaks the tears up a little bit. So angry with this little (laughs) bell. Ding, 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 ding. I don't know about you, but I honestly thought they were going to take him over there, obviously holding him up and walking him over and like urinate on him. That's what I, I thought was going to happen. I thought he was going to spit on him. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was going to be spit. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure at this point, Don Hector's going in a bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the funny part to me was when they were carrying when they were carrying him across the desert in the wheelchair. <laughs> like these tough guys carrying this this funny man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, can I go um, back to the tier, to the opener though, or not the yeah the opener for this 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 one because what I immediately thought was I've driven out in the desert like when it's raining and I happen to feel like it's like one of the most beautiful things to kind of drive through. I knew it was going to be sad and I felt like oh no some so, and that somebody who is dying is going to be Nacho. But then I thought what a way to kind of tribute him because that's how I felt like I felt like a beautiful soul is is going to the heavens and the, and then you see the flower at the end it's like you know somebody precious has has passed and that's how we should see this they made me feel okay i mean not okay but like this is how we want to regard him as like somebody beautiful i'm just not quite there yet <laughs> there was broken glass right after that too in the truck bed that he was laying in so then i was like was that the significance? You know, like from the beginning of the episode, the first uh, watch, I was like looking for glass throughout, trying to piece it together, but it's not what I expected. Well, the glass, the glass in the truck bed was from the shootout at the <laughs> motel, mm-hmm. and then the gl- piece of glass we see in the desert was curved like a glass bottle or yeah. something. You know, you leave anything out long enough, it's New Mexico, people are going to shoot it, so I'm sure there were like <laughs> shoot-off glass bottles out there. Fair. And by there. the way, isn't isn't glass heated up sand anyway? Yeah, that's just yeah. another thing I thought of. I don't know. Uh huh. Yeah, the glass that Gus broke last week oh. when he when he knocked the glass off the table, and Nacho found it in the in the trash can, and then picked it up with his hands. Clever. The title is a rock in a hard place, and I mean, of course, that is Nacho, but I think it's also Jimmy and Kim because. I think with uh, the DA on their ass, they're they're going to be in between a rock and a hard place. The DA and the cartel. I think it could also apply specifically to Jimmy when it comes to Kim, right? Like I feel mm-hmm. like he's sort of in a in a rock between a rock and a hard place with her and how she's acting and like how she wants to go after Howard and he Jimmy's not quite so sure about it. And so he's like, mm-hmm. "What do I do? Do I give her what she wants? Do I try and steer her down a different path?" Like, well, yeah, I I see kind of jimmy in that in that spot too and you can tell in their scenes that he still is not really a hundred percent with this the scene where right. he comes home and kim is sitting waiting for him 
and he walks up to the painting and he looks down and, and he could just see him like this again. I mean, does she never let up with this? Even though she's talking about something completely, you know, she's going to talk about something completely different. You can just see it in his face like, damn, I just, I just give me a break, you know, like I don't want to do this again. Wasn't he kind of like, what's, what's, yeah. well, what's wrong with it? You know, like, so clearly it gives the impression that she's gone over it again and again and again and again, you know, changing things, switching things around, correcting <laughs> the like plan. Kim and her post-it notes. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep thinking of her and the, and grabbing it and being like, I'm sorry, it's spelled wrong. I have to fix this. It's going to bother me. <laughs> <laughs> this should be hyphenated. <laughs> So what is on the post-it notes? One says paint. One says phone call with a question mark. One says casting, then the frowny face. There's a picture of a carrot, the word tour. <laughs> Tuesday, 9A. As far as I could tell, it was kind of blurry. The name J. Stengel, a magnifying glass, and a car. And he takes off the paint and moves it down to the bottom, and he puts namaste in, in its place. Mm -hmm. Howard's license plate. And we did hear them talking about, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. It, to me, it sounded like they were talking out loud about the plans they had for Howard's car. They wanted it to look like someone took it out for a joyride and they were going to like mm -hmm. vandalize it somehow and then get it back. It, is that what you were picking up? They need access to it for whatever this next part of the plan is. Uh -huh. And so they needed to get it. And then they, I guess they figured I don't know, like, what the plan is, so I can't piece together exactly what it was yeah. that they need to do with it. But, yeah, they were planning on, like, they're like, well, we can just do, like, somebody came and took it for a joyride, which I kept thinking, I'm like, then your fingerprints are going to be all over it. Are you guys dumb? Right? You're no. lawyers. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible choice. Yeah, so I thought that was clever that they, like, used Huel to come up with this Huel Valley trick. Huel Valley I trick. I love Huel. The fact that they specified that it's four to unlock and five to lock tells me that something is going to go extremely wrong with it. I kept thinking, I was like, don't you want to, like, write that down just to be sure? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's yeah, like, yeah, Jimmy's okay, got a good got rememberer. <laughs> now I know why I was thinking vandalism is because of the sticky note that said paint on it. But I don't know to what end. I, I can't figure out why if if they have someone steal the car and, like, paint it up with, like, and vandalize it, like, I don't see what the next step is. Or Maybe. could it just be, like, they're going to, like, paint the car a different color? <laughs> what they want to do is use the car to make people think that Howard is doing something shady. That's why they wanted a duplicate Howard car. They, the paint, okay, the paint okay, okay. was if they they wanted to find a car just like Howard's and paint it just like okay. Howard's and then use it to do something. So that makes more. What sense. are they going to do with it? <laughs> it's time for a Breaking Bad cameo because I think it's going to be Wendy, the prostitute Ooh. from Breaking Bad. Oh, oh yeah, I, my first thought was prostitutes too. <laughs> I saw a clip on Twitter where Kim is telling Jimmy that she dropped Wendy off and because and then ah. she was being followed. Which is funny because everybody had this theory. There was this theory going around that Kim was going to be Wendy. Like, that's what happened to Kim. <laughs> oh, is God. She's actually Wendy. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Like, wow, she went downhill quickly in, like, three years is what I'm saying. They're going to have somebody see her, him dropping her off um, out of Howard's car or something like that. That's why they want to, to steal the car. Because it's supposed okay. to be something bad enough to get him, like, suspended or disbarred or whatever, but not bad enough to, like, ruin his whole life. I don't even think they want to get him suspended or disbarred. I think they just want to throw doubt on Sandpiper. And by making it look like he's a party drugged-out party boy, Sandpiper's going to be like, oh, shit, we need to settle before this whole case falls apart because of Howard. Like, Wendy's going to pretend to, like, OD money. in the back of... <laughs> like in his trunk or oh something. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> oh oh my god! Gosh. I don't know how she got there. Like, <laughs> I mean, if they do a really good job replicating Howard's car, they could like um, take pictures of Wendy on it or next to it or in it, or like be like, "Oh, look, Howard has hookers in his car." <laughs> <laughs> They're basically trying to ruin his reputation in a sense. Like, not try to get rid of him on an ethical, moral reason. They want to get him on just like, is this the guy we want representing us? Is, uh, you know, And then, like, naturally drop him for himself, not for his prowess. 
basically the the same thing they tried to do with the Kettlemans. You know, they're like, you weren't represented correctly because Howard was coked out or whatever. So basically, they they want to do the same thing with Sandpiper. Howard was coked out and partying, so he's a bad representative for this. Beca- because of that, the whole case could fall apart and they could lose everything. So, th- you know, the lawyers will be like, just go ahead and settle now and get what we can before the whole case falls apart. You picked oh. up my breadcrumbs. <laughs> can we talk about Nacho and the oil tanker? Ooh. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, Do please. we have to? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the last time I was so, like, scared for somebody. That was so intense. It was such a nail biter. And then he, like held his breath and like went under the oil like oh my gosh and i'm like oh he's gonna sit up and then homeboy's gonna see him i'm like ah it was yeah i was all over the place he legitimately held his breath for over a minute in that scene michael mando did yes they talked about it on the insider podcast holy shit whoa i don't think i could do that (laughs) no that was a great piece of acting by michael mando though because the he comes in and he's doing that coughing like you can tell that the air is just like thick with the fumes mm-hmm. from the oil it was so good it was so it was so believable did they talk about what uh they used for the oil if they did i missed it but it looked similar to the same okay. stuff they used in fear when oh, they fear the, the walking the, dead the oil yeah the oil <laughs> i could guess what they used but i'm always curious to know it's probably molasses something like molasses or something like that Ooh. Food, yeah, it'll probably, food it's food. probably a corn syrup and <laughs> yeah and chocolate mixture yeah. Mmm. Tasty, tasty oil. But it tasted good. And <laughs> lots and lots of peppermint to kind of simulate the fumes. Ooh. <laughs> oh, you'd be crying. <laughs> the tanker gave me kind of apocalypse vibes, you know? Like, I was like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what what show am I watching? <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody else think that... I, I can't tell the cousins apart, to be honest. I, and I don't even feel bad about it. I don't even know if know if i know their names but when he looked at the tanker and and nacho was looking through the the like rotted holes or whatever i totally thought he saw his face in there i did too there's just one one more thing i wanted to say about the tanker scene was how they did the the time transition Mm. they just like focused on it and like fast forwarded everything yeah that was awesome That was awesome. It was really good. They do talk a lot about it on the insider podcast if that's something you guys are interested in. Okay, cool. That Sweet. whole scene and everything. It's really interesting. The fast forward transition specifically? I, was, yeah, I imagine. Or, or, uh, or the whole tanker scene. I think they talked, about, uh, they talked a little bit about that, but it was mostly about the whole tanker scene. Who are really the evil the evil ones? Because the Salamancas... <laughs> well, I mean, the Salamancas are hot-headed and not dumb, but they don't think things through. Gus, he knows exactly what he's doing. It's kind of like the difference between Joffrey and Ramsay. In Game of Thrones, Ooh. Joffrey is a spoiled little brat. Okay, but Ramsay is a grown-up who thinks seriously about. Uh, I was watching a thing yesterday about Gus and his how his about his character and just how methodically evil he is. <laughs> and tor- to torture because what he's doing to Hector is is torture. He is like giving up millions of dollars and blowing up his restaurants and giving up his people for the mm-hmm. ultimate goal of torturing Hector. So we pull for Gus, but in reality, what is the difference between the two of them? Ah, the age old AMC series conundrum. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the real villain? (laughs) Intentions though, isn't it? Like we got to see Fring's backstory a bit and wasn't it all because like of his background or he's like, he's gay or like supposedly gay. Hector killed his boyfriend. Hector killed his boyfriend on the orders of Don Eladio. And then and do the Hector taunted it. But. Do we know why? Yes, because Gus was operating outside of the cartel. Okay, so, so his boyfriend punish, was killed as a punishment. As a punishment, yes. To Gus. Okay, okay, okay. I got you. Personally, I think after that happened, Gus just doesn't feel anything anymore. I mean, maybe that makes him evil. I mean, if you don't have feelings, feelings are kind of what make you human, right? And if you don't have any, are you? what are you now? We've said before, he speaks in a monotone voice. He doesn't really have reactions to many things. Yeah, I just see this like empty shell of a person just full of revenge. And his he's laser focused on Don Hector. But he also told the story when he was young about catching and torturing the little kawadi because it ate the fruit from his tree. It was just doing what an animal does, eating fruit. And he was so angry or whatever at it that he 
caught it and tortured it and let it starve to death. And that was when he was like seven. <laughs> so. Oh, he's got a little evil in him. Got a real Dexter on our hands here. <laughs> Whoa. So, so since we're talking about Gus and, and Don Hector, okay, it was Nacho that put Hector in the chair. What has Gus done to Hector? So I mentioned this to Sharon D as I was watching the show the first time through because, you know, She's the go-to Better Call Saul person. I didn't realize until watching Better Call Saul, because, you know, I've watched Breaking Bad, so I knew that there was some some background drama there. I didn't realize that Don Hector could have per- could have moved on to being maybe not like fully functional, like as a as an adult, but maybe more communicative. And Gus sends away the nurse who is make or the doctor who's making so much progress with him. She's like, he's making such good progress. Like He's gotten to the point now where he has the muscle control and he's able to start answering her questions and stuff. And he's tapping his finger. And then Gus is like, great, you can go now. Let's and she's like, right here in this state. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, okay. Like, you can tell she's confused. Like, has she done something wrong and like offended him? Is that why he wants her to go? Or like, what's the mm-hmm. real reason? And it's it's because he wants Don Hector like that. He's like, you made it just far enough. Where you're so close to being able to communicate, but no. Yeah. I'm going to make it so your, so your nephew has to list off every letter of the alphabet. Oh my gosh. And spell everything out. So Gus was really taking advantage of an opportunity that Nacho created. So I wonder what his plan, mm-hmm. what his original plan was. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Gus has <laughs> big ideas, so I'm sure there was something in the works or did he in some way put it in Nacho's ear? Had they even communicated yet? Mike told Nacho not to do it. What Gus originally was going to do was eventually, because he, he was getting Mike to hit their drug trucks and, you know, disrupting the stuff. So basically he wanted to do to them what Lalo is now doing. Now Gus. doing. Oh, God. okay. Blowing up his restaurants. So I guess he was he was hopeful that like what Bosa or Eladio would just take him out. My or like my cut guess him is, off, well, maybe. I think what he was what he was doing was he was actively trying to destroy the Salamanca family in the cartel. But then, like like you said, Nacho gave him the option to do to do something. Well, I mean, Nacho did it, but then he was like, "Oh well, let me take advantage of this." I almost think, by the way, that Fring is unbridled ambition, but patient as fuck. Like, oh, I think he wants patient. to go all the way to the top. He wants mm-hmm. to be the Don. Mm. Alario, be damned. I mean, he was the one who sent, who killed his boyfriend, too. So there's a, an additional pressure. Which, of course, we know in Breaking Bad, he does take them all out. He takes all of the, he takes the entire cartel out, and then he takes Hector out. Well, Hector takes him out, kind of. Just later. <laughs> Which pairs very nicely with the fact that he has, he's, his own series is going to come out soon. Or not soon, but eventually. I don't there's, think no, there's a rumor about it. Yeah, like that's a, a rumor. I don't. I don't think that's. Oh, is it only a rumor? Okay, I yeah, thought I, I saw something like in a, like an article or something like that. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. I'd watch that. Yeah, heck yeah. Yeah, people are saying it'll be like a like a prequel. So they would, you know, like they just keep moving back. I guess. <laughs> so so now we're gonna go going. even before before <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody wants to know what they talk about. But they're always talking about what happened in Santiago and. Fair. They could show us the what happened to his boyfriend. So when Nacho says goodbye to his dad, of course his dad doesn't know that this is the last time. The last thing his dad says to him is, what else is there to say? And at the end, when they let Mike out of the truck, he looks at Nacho, and I think that's kind of almost the same. The look he gives him is almost the same way. So um, Mike has now lost two people that he cares about to Gus. Werner and now Nacho. Werner... Mm. Yeah. It's kind of funny because I'm glad you brought up the whole who's the more evil one uh, and the Salamancas and and who's who's worse than who because and I'm glad you went straight to Nacho right after that because as he was sitting there crouched in the corner trying to talk to his dad trying to breathe trying not to cry on the phone I just kept thinking to myself all of these people are in hell and they're surrounded by devils who have demons of their own Probably. I don't know about the oh, Salamancas. Yeah. They, they seem like the, like, who are the leaders in hell? Oh, yeah, the Salamancas. Fuck those guys. They, they, they love it like here. They seem like they party with the demons. Yeah, it's like they love the weather down here. 
yeah. but like almost everybody else has done something, even like Jimmy, Kim, or I don't know about done something, but they're in hell either electively or by circumstance. It's so like, as I was watching Nacho in the corner, I'm like, how did I get here? It was just rough. Yeah, I was tell- telling Charity, we were talking about it last night, and I said that seeing Nacho's end like this just makes his entire story so sad. Mm-hmm. I can't, like, I can't even go back and watch the beginning of Nacho right now without being sad because his whole goal from the second we met him was to get out. Yeah, and we're rooting for him the whole time. Yeah, it, it took him to get to this point to get out. I really hope they make good and leave his dad alone. I, I hope Mike looks out for his dad. Well, that's why I loved that he was like, I don't want your word. Yeah. I want Mike's like that was just such a touching moment where you're like, oh, they really they really trust each other, even though maybe they shouldn't in any other circumstance, like they would not have become like a likely pair. I think anybody who knows Mike knows that you can trust his word. I mean, Mm -hmm. Mike is a man of his word. Yeah, he does Mm -hmm. shady shit, but he's honest. He might be one of the most honest people on this show. (laughs) Honor among thieves. (laughs) Yeah. You know how in the Walking Dead universe we talk about found family? Mm-hmm. He, when he was talking to his dad, Nacho, his dad going, you, you know, he, what else is there to say? It's kind of like they're, like, like I said, like Nacho's in hell and his father's just on the, re- on the, like the regular plane of existence. Like everybody else that's oblivious to this Breaking Bad universe. Mm. But then when I saw Mike look through the sniper scope at what Nacho did, I felt like he was way more affected by Nacho's passing, Nacho's death, suicide, than his own father. I mean, his, his own father doesn't know, but I think his own father kind of like said, my son is dead. He's been dead a long time. Now the difference is, is he going to do the right thing and be dead? And so like when I saw Mike tumble over, it's like, oh, this is like the father figure in hell that he has. In this, <laughs> this weird thing. I know it's kind of strange, but I saw like his own son dying. Right. And, and I mean, Mike... He tried to, to get Nacho to not to not do what he did. He reminded him, "Don't don't go after Salamanca. Don't do it. You know, don't do this." And Nacho did it anyway. And I feel like that's also kind of a mirror between Mike and his son because he told his son to be crooked, and he ended up dying anyway. So this time he was like, "Don't do it," and Nacho still died. Well, now that you're saying that, the same thing happened with Werner because he told him, "Don't move forward with this whole like whatever you're thinking." Take it easy. Calm down. We'll give you extra time to talk on the phone with your wife. He has said that to all of these people that have died. Mm-hmm. So let that be a lesson, kids. Always listen to Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, you're in hell. Don't do the thing the devil's going to sh- wag his little pitchfork at you for. Then they do it anyway. You know how you wound up here. <laughs> devil's going to poke you in the tuchus with his pitchfork. <laughs> So I'm curious, and Sharon, do you kind of, I think you kind of clarified it for me the other night, but I want to I want to have a, more of a discussion about it. When Mike is looking through the scope and Nacho has the gun to Bolsa's head and Mike says, do it, do it. Question number one, he wants Nacho to shoot Bolsa, right? That was my take. Okay. And then what would have happened if he did? Was Mike going to shoot Nacho immediately after he shot Bolsa? Was that sort of the end game? Their plan was for Nacho to try to run away yeah. and Victor would yeah. take him out. Right. But, you know, the, a million things could have gone wrong. Like Mike said, that could have gone south a million ways. Mm-hmm. So my feeling was when Nacho had Bolsa, Mike wanted him to shoot him because then he had a reason to shoot Nacho and, and end it and not let Nacho be taken by the Salamancas or something go south. Mm-hmm. And there'd be, you know, something, something happened. If Nacho shot Bolsa and killed him, then Mike had every legitimate reason to go ahead and shoot Nacho before everything went to shit. So my mm-hmm. feeling was he, he wanted Nacho to, to just shoot Bolsa. So he had, which I believe is why he wanted to go in the first place. That's the whole reason he wanted to go because he wanted to be able to take Nacho out so he wouldn't get tortured to death. Cause I don't know if you noticed, but when, yeah. when Bolsa was telling Nacho, he's like, there's good deaths and there's bad deaths. And they showed like this, mm-hmm. the shot from inside the house. You could see all the torture implements laid out on, on a cloth in front of the window. They would have legitimately tortured Nacho to death. What if Gus had been like, ah, oh, fuck him, Victor, don't, don't let him, let him try to run, you know, who, who knows? So I think Mike was like, I'm, I am going to be here to shoot him so that he doesn't have yeah. to suffer. Is there something poetic and beautiful about dying at the hands of someone who loves you or cares about you? I mean, is that... Is that a better death? Well, I mean, didn't they cover kind of cover this in The Walking Dead? When, even with walkers, is it better for you to take out the walker 
by some is the water could be taken out by someone you love, someone who loved them. Mm-hmm. Does right. it make it better? As you guys were talking, I was thinking about the Walking Dead World Beyond and Lieutenant Carla Kublik. As she was talking with uh, Jennifer Malik, uh, Huck, she was saying, and this is her daughter, just to give everybody context. She's telling Huck about the spaghetti bolognese story and how, like, I was always there to clean up your mistakes, you know? And, and, and if you're going to go down, I'd rather it be me that, you know, takes you down or puts you down or cleans up your messes. But it, it, I'd rather it be me punishing you because mm-hmm. I yeah, love you. She that's, said that's as much. She said mm-hmm. as much. She basically said, I was going to destroy your world before anyone else had a chance to. Yeah. Right. When I, I mentioned this immediately after watching the episode, maybe Nacho had shot himself in the head as like a, a last kindness to Mike. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to make you do this to me. I'm going to just take care of it myself, which I think is really beautiful and just kind of encapsulate this like this like super unusual like friendship, I guess we would, could disguise like describe it as. Yeah. But and I'm wondering now as I'm envisioning the scene in my head and. Mike is laying down so he has like the sniper rifle up and so he can see he is laying on a rock and he is between the rock and the hard place of having to put Nacho down. So like there's the there's more of that imagery. And that this title really applied to a lot of characters this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I also thought maybe Nacho made the choice as like a final fuck you to the Salamancas like you're not Mm -hmm. gonna torture me. Ha ha. Yeah. I'm going to do it before you can. He could go out on his own terms. He wasn't going to go out the way That's Gus it. wanted him to. And he wasn't going to go out the way the Salamancas wanted him to. The only choice he had left in, in the world was to go out the way that he chose. So I think it's a little I think it's a little bit of all of that, to be honest. I have to keep reminding myself that Michael Mando is fine because I'm like getting really sad. <laughs> He's OK, Rachel. He's OK. <laughs> Guys, I have the perfect segue. Like, because we had literally just said this about Dakota. <laughs> she went out on her own fuck terms. Dakota. Fuck Dakota. Oh, fuck Dakota. Fuck Dakota. You feel bad Nacho, about it? Nacho didn't kill John. No. Fuck that shit. Nacho was amazing. Nacho was the best. Right. I'm trying to think of any other any other scenes. I mean, Jimmy and Kim were so small in this episode, kind right. of. Right. The only the only other thing I can I want to maybe say is what I brought up in the immediate after show was one of my favorite scenes was the juxtaposition of Jimmy and Kim doing the mundane everyday couple things in the morning, (laughs) zipping up her dress, fixing his tie, fixing his cufflinks while they talk about this crazy outlandish plan. Mm -hmm. And it's just another indication of how contradictory they are as, as in they got an office for love, but they got married for business. Everything is so contradictory about them. And that was really one of my favorite scenes of the whole episode was watching them. Oh, have a nice day. And we're going to, but meanwhile, they're like, we're going to take this car and we're going to paint it and do this and this and this. and this. <laughs> it's just great. I love it. And she hesitates for a moment. Like she's not excited to say yes, but she has to say yes. Cause it's the truth. Just those little nuggets of detail are why I I love this show so much. Like I don't know if it's a directing choice. I don't know if it's uh I don't know if it's a, a Ray Seahorn choice, but fucking perfect. <laughs> like we say all the time, everything in this show means something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which also reminds me, I got the key numbers wrong in the in the after show. The key numbers hanging in the valet booth are six fourteen, six sixteen. 617 and 619, those are the ones that are hanging in the valet box. Mm. The two that are missing are 615 and 618, which 618 is Howard's. Okay. I don't know what that means, so, but it has to mean something because no one this show. 618 is June 18th. If we're in June and Jimmy and Kim are focused on the 18th. Ooh, look at you. Yep, there you go. Look Boom. at you. <laughs> look at you. <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> you had said something about uh, in in your initial reaction watch that the way that Kim often throughout this episode looks at Jimmy almost feels like she's testing him as well. I mean, she's always kind of testing him because she's he's kind of like lied to her every now. Yeah, well, at least in the in the beginning throughout the series. But I feel like she's been burned a little bit too many times by him. And so I feel like she makes him feel like he's in on the plan. But I feel like in some way, depending on how he does as a participant, he may be thrown under the bus by Kim. 
depending it's like it's like a choose your own adventure if he does this then turn to page 26 and well i'm gonna bury him as part of this plan it's funny you say that in this episode he's saying we can't do it because the paint in the car and we don't have time and she's like oh and then she comes up with the you know we'll steal his car and he's like well then how do we do that we have these kids and blah 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 there's a million ways it could go wrong and she kind of turns around looks defeated and he watches her, and then all of a sudden he goes, but wait, we can do this plan. And it's almost as if, and then she turns around and she's all bright again. Like, everything's fine, you know, like, and I I just, I just have the feeling that she is playing him so hard. And it's going to, it's going to break my heart when it happens, when it comes I know. out. But I know. Do you I think just, she, she truly is, loves she has him? She has got him on the long con. Well, I think we talked about that in the last, our last right. podcast. I'd said, I'm like, does Kim even love Jimmy? I yeah, mean, I think so. I want to, I want to say yes. I think she does. She doesn't want to have to con him or whatever, but she wants what she wants. And doing it, doing this to Jimmy is the only way she's going to get it. And let's be honest, it's easy for her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she loves him, but at the same time, she's like, I love you, but my pro bono work is, is more important, basically. And I need your so, sandpiper money to continue doing that. So, so weird. It's such a juxtaposition of like, I want all this money because I want to be able to do all of this free good work for people. But I'm like doing the shadiest shit to get there. <laughs> it's like it's like the premise of Breaking Bad all over again. I need money to like help my family. And so I'm going to do all this shady shit to get there. Like, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Kim is Walter yeah. White. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I don't like that at all. And you know what's funny? Like, Huel kind of put it best. I love characters like Huel, who like, kind of like Wes on Fear the Walking Dead, who kind of look at a situation like, you guys are crazy, right? You're, you don't, ha- you don't ha- have to do this. What do you, you literally, Kim literally just has to stop. That's it. But she's just so stuck on this whole, I got to ruin Howard's life for some reason. Like, I mean, I know you guys talked about in the reaction video, like Howard, you know, did, didn't trust Jimmy, but it was because of Char- Chuck. Kim, as a result, by extension, the same. But one thing I forgot to bring up in that was Howard was actively participating in the trial that made Jimmy lose everything. That was Chuck's doing, but Howard was testified against him. Howard did his best to fuck, fucking ruin Jimmy and have him disbarred. Yeah. It, you had reminded me of all the shit Howard put Kim through. I Honestly, I had forgotten how shitty he was to Kim. So, I mean, I, I understand why, why especially Jimmy has a lot of animosity towards Howard, because Howard's one of the reasons he doesn't have a senior practice anymore and why he's doing this fucking criminal shit. This is my initial first watch theory. What if Howard is like a jilted ex-lover? <laughs> Right? Like, like, why does he, why, why is he doing this? Like, what if they like fucked and then she was like, nah, bro, you're not for me. And then I want Jimmy. And then he's like, you're fucking, you don't want to fuck with me, but you're going to fuck with this guy? This guy? Really? Like, if that's why, because I, there's something in like one of their first interactions together, just the two of them that made me feel like uncomfortable. They had seen each other naked. Yeah, like I was like, I'm not supposed to see this. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here right now. It's like you want to see him naked, not me. Oh, personal slight. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if that carries any any water, but it's just one of those things where I'm like trying to piece together. Like, yeah, okay, I get it. Like Howard was a real dick to her, but like, why? Or what if Howard just had a crush on Kim? And she just denied him before things even got physical. That would be even a bigger rejection, right? Like, uh uh-uh, I'm not even going to give you the time of day. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm going to stick it to the male boy instead. That's good. (laughs) The male boy. (laughs) Slide slide it in my slot. (laughs) In her hoo-ha. So, like, you're saying the whole premise behind Kim maybe even being with Jimmy is like a whole F you. Maybe this is all part of Kim's plan. It's like, Jimmy, she doesn't care about Jimmy. It's all about giving Howard the F you for some reason. <laughs> no, I don't I don't think I feel that way. Like, I don't feel that way kidding. about it. I just feel like, <laughs> I just feel like something, maybe something happened that I'm not aware of. And that's the reason Howard is so shitty towards them. Because I can't yeah. figure it out otherwise. Like, because he genuinely liked Jimmy at the beginning, he 
says, like, I think you're a real go-getter. I think, yeah, I want you to come work for me. Like, there's all of this stuff that happens. And I'm like, like, but if you like Jimmy, like, why are you such a dick to Kim? And remember, (laughs) all I said was, well, maybe he can see through Kim's shit. Like, maybe he's known the whole time she's shady. And, like, that's why. (laughs) And maybe he couldn't see through Jimmy's shit. And I don't know. Too. I don't know. I don't know no, what I, think, I don't know what yeah. it is, but there's there's something there that I'm just not quite seeing yet, but <laughs> But what if also like how it's Howard being wrong too, like about Jimmy under Chuck's advisement. All this time he's looking at Jimmy thinking, you know, I want this guy to work for me. He's pretty savvy. He's a, he's a hustler. He's a go-getter. There's a place on my team for somebody like that. And like him being wrong also by his mentor and him Howard not seeing wrong? Kim thinking one way and then being told and maybe even seeing what Jimmy is capable of, the the shady that Jimmy's capable of. Mm. I, it's there's something to be said about somebody feeling wrong about their own impression that makes them hate the other person. But I have okay. another question though. Okay, is what Howard does personal? Think to about Kim? it. Like, or, or is I it like yes. he does? Does he have like the firewall of like, but this is the right thing to do. Like, so uh, nothing I'm doing is wrong. What he did to Kim, or what he does to Jimmy? Well, essentially everybody. What he did to Kim was punitive. It was punitive and it was against, like, it was because of Jimmy. She was punished. Like, that didn't even Mm -hmm. make sense. Well, I think think a lot of that was Chuck because Howard pretty much idolized Chuck. So anything, and, and, and gave him total credit for being the one who built up the firm and who made the firm what it is. And so anything Chuck wanted... Howard was like, okay, you know, okay, I'll do it. You know what's best for the firm. What a shitbag Chuck is, though. Or was. Fuck Sorry. Chuck. Rest in peace, I guess. <laughs> to get back at Jimmy, to get to needle Jimmy, he would, he, you know, put Kim in the cornfield or whatever. I mean, he was mad at Kim for, for doing things, too. But, um... I think I think it was mostly at Chuck's behest. Well, it's crazy because Chuck's like, yeah, um, Howard, I need you to come see me in my office. Um, yeah, can you fuck this girl's life up like and like <laughs> fully take her wrath later? Cool, bye. I'm gonna die now. See ya. They say they roll in. Okay. But like we were talking earlier about like replacement fathers, like, right, like the found family kind of thing. Like, you know, Howard kind of sees Chuck as his kind of like a brother or maybe even a fatherly figure where Chuck should be seeing Jimmy as like a brother. He just rejects him consistently. More like a grandfather. Am I right? Chuck is old as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So is is Bob Odenkirk. (laughs) Let's be fair. Okay. It did a number on him, but still. <laughs> well, is that all we got, folks? I think that's about it. I think we beat we this t- one. Yeah, we really talked about the DA and stuff last time. There's not much more else to say about that. So I'd, I'd said this in the chat earlier, but you guys were talking about like nobody cares about Saul's stuff. Like as, as the feds, I guess, were like inventory, inventorying all of Jimmy's, oh, sorry, oh. Saul Goodman stuff. One thing that I noted was that they were like literally documenting everything that they were throwing into the boxes like like that duality of like no we care about how much this is worth but then just toss it into the freaking box but then I, I then i remembered like back in the uh 2000s civil asset forfeiture was like the new thing it was a means to kind of like bolster like the police departments and stuff like that so people like were really really all about it it would increase their budgets they would get better equipment they would militarize a little bit more so i I don't think it's like they didn't care about this stuff they definitely care about this stuff so they could liquidate it but they were very meticulous about every single thing they were putting away good catch i thought they just looked like they were chucking shit in boxes (laughs) right (laughs) like like, fuck your life your gold gold toilet (laughs) 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 all right well thanks for hanging out with us folks as we broke down this episode of Better Call Saul. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, you can leave comments, but I don't know where. YouTube, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us if you agree or disagree with everything we said. Thanks hey, and if we out. missed anything, right? Bye. 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 
thank you for making it to the end of another episode of Better Squawk Saul, our coverage of Better Call Saul's sixth and final season. I've been your host, David Cameo, and I was joined by Cosmom09 Rachel Burt, Sharon D, aka Blazing Gardner, and Survivors Tier member Bridget, ex Prophecy Girl on Twitter and Ain't My First Rodeo on Instagram. And if you made it to our sixth episode of Better Squawk Saul, covering Better Call Saul's seventh episode of the sixth and final season titled Plan and Execution, you were also joined by Aiden Atkin, at Aiden underscore Atkin underscore on Instagram, and at Aiden the Raven on Twitter. If you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead. Leave us five stars and an eggplant to let us know that you love us, but we're going to need a little bit more than that from you guys because Better Call Saul, that's a new thing for us. We want to know what you liked, what you didn't like, whether we should just stick to the Walking Dead universe, or if you want much more of this to come, use it as a means to communicate your desires after every episode. And if you leave your social media accounts, we will tag you when we post this review on social media. And if you really, really want to be involved, in how these episodes shape out. You want to support the podcast? All you need to do is create a free account on ko-fi.com and follow us at ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead. You don't have to buy us a coffee for 30 days of supported back content, which includes the ability to download our unedited episode recordings or stream them. You don't have to join a membership tier for as little as a dollar a month, which includes Discord access, as well as a whole host of baseline perks. All you got to do is follow us. It lets you know when we record, when we drop our unedited episode recordings, and when we think of a new idea that we want your feedback on. It's the only place we post these things. We don't post these things on social media. And speaking of membership tiers, we'd like to thank both our Survivors and Whispers tier members in that order. Among them include, of course, Bridget, Girl on Twitter, and Ain't My First Rodeo on Instagram, who joined in these episode breakdowns, as well as at Jones 71 on Instagram and at JonesAJ6 on Twitter, at RealRyanGM on Twitter, Jasmine, at Jasmine Jasmine.iac on Instagram, and of course, FanArtLindy, ko-fi.com slash FanArtLindy. And let's not forget our Whispers tier members, who include, of course, at Aiden underscore Atkin underscore on Instagram, and at AidenTheRaven on Twitter, at RitasFan2 on Instagram and Twitter, at J13Voorhees on Instagram and Twitter, at Sandy.D.Morrison on Facebook, at FrostedAngel67 on Twitter, at TylerPhilipCox on Instagram and Twitter, and of course, at Judith.Morrison. Morton on Instagram. I'd like to thank you very much for making it to the very end of this podcast and for always listening to Squawking Dead. We hope you're enjoying this and we'll see you in the next one.